Today, we're going to be finishing up our Nutrition for Fat Loss series, Six Habits That Are Sabotaging Your Fat Loss Efforts. This episode is going to be a good one, but it may hit you between the eyes as well if you are guilty of some of these self-sabotaging habits. But I don't want you to be discouraged. Everyone probably does some of these at some point. I do these sometimes. It's about whether these things become a habit that sabotage your fat loss efforts. So keep that in mind. This is meant to put a spotlight on things that are keeping you from achieving what you want to achieve and not a guilt trip. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey friend, welcome to the Effective Fitness for Women podcast, your go-to guide for practical weightlifting and nutrition tips. I'm Rachel, a wife, mom of six, registered dietitian, and passionate weightlifter. This podcast is for the woman who is tired of not knowing what to do in the gym, frustrated with trying to eat right, but not sure what eating right actually is, and just wants to start seeing some results. If that's you, then you're in the right place. This podcast is all about teaching you what you need to do in the gym and the kitchen to lose fat, gain muscle, and be the strongest you've ever been. Are you ready? Let's go. So let's get into today's topic. These bad habits aren't in any particular order of importance. These are just all things that in my experience, when people let these things turn into a habitual part of their lives, they're a recipe for not achieving your fat loss goals. Also, if you haven't listened to part one or two of this series yet, do that now. Those are going to help you know what to do and not just what not to do. So number one is a big one, consuming sugary drinks. If you are in a season of fat loss, you want your calories going to foods that are going to fuel your workouts or help you stay full and satisfied. Sugary drinks do neither of those. So what specifically am I talking about? Non-diet sodas, frilly coffee drinks like frappuccinos or lattes with syrups and whole fat milk added to them. Alcohol is a big one. It may not have sugar if it's like straight alcohol, but it has a lot of calories. Also juice, energy drinks. So look at your label on your drink and if it isn't like 20 calories or less per serving, you don't need to be drinking it regularly. Notice I said regularly. There's a season for everything, right? But sugary drinks probably don't belong in a season of fat loss. The second thing that's sabotaging your efforts is treating weekends differently than weekdays. Okay, so this one was super hard for me to break. I am really goal-oriented, so I would tell myself things like, oh, eat super good this week so you can splurge on the weekend and stuff like that. I'm not talking about a planned meal where you eat a little more, I guess, decadently than the rest of the week, and then you go back to your normal eating habits. That's planned, and that's okay if it helps you stay on track for the rest of the week. I'm talking about all effort flies out the window all weekend. Seriously, I can't tell you what a difference it made for me when I started treating weekends like my weekdays. I was sabotaging my efforts so bad before, and I would work so hard all week eating right, and then I would blow it on the weekends, and it would show. 
Honestly, I think it was because I didn't want to acknowledge how two days of eating without limits could actually offset an entire week of work. Once I acknowledged that, and I put some limits on myself for the season of fat loss that I was in, my results started coming. And you'll notice that I talk about seasons of fat loss because there's, I just love this idea that there's seasons for things. You really, you don't need to be dieting your entire life. I was so sick of dieting my entire life. But when I started thinking of there's a season for fat loss and then later we're going to talk about a season for muscle gain where you eat a little bit more because your goal during that season is to gain muscle. It just, it helped my brain to be able to accept like this is just for not right now. It's not never. Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to be talking about um, soon on the podcast too is the season of muscle gain. So once I started realizing that um, I could blow an entire week's worth worth of work on one weekend and then I put some limits, then I really, I started gaining momentum and I really started seeing results. The next thing, thring, thing, the next thing I can speak is inconsistency. You record your calories one day and then you don't for two days and then you do it again for three days and then you stop. The same goes for your workouts. You go to the gym one day, one week, and then five days the next week, and then three days the week after that, and then none for two weeks. The problem here is usually that you haven't set realistic goals for yourself. You set your expectations too too high. I'm going to track every single day, or I'm going to go to the gym five days a week, and you've never exercised regularly or attempted to eat right. That's a recipe for failure and being overwhelmed, right? So instead, set small, attainable goals for yourself, stuff you actually know you can achieve. I'm going to use the plate method instead of tracking, for instance, if you're new. Or, and if you don't know what that is, um, go listen to episode eight. I talk about um, a, I have a free guide that I discuss in there as well. You can download it. It's all about the plate method. And um, I have a free guide on my website that goes over that method, um, effectivefitnessforwomen.com. It's on the free resources page. So set those small goals and crush them rather than set unattainable goals and fail. You can always add on to your goals as you get into the habit too, right? Number four is not planning for sweet cravings. So... It can be sweet cravings or it could be salty, whatever, whatever's your kryptonite. Here's the thing. It's really hard to just cut sugar or sweets completely out of your life. If you have that kind of willpower, then more power to you because I don't. Also, I mean, are you really going to tell yourself that you're never going to eat your kids, a slice of your kid's birthday cake or a slice of your own birthday cake or celebrate something. I mean, food is part of how we celebrate. It's just how we are. Food brings people together. And so to completely cut sugar out of your life, I think is an unrealistic expectation. So uh, with this, a fun fact about me, 
I love sweets and I actually have a home bakery that I make the most amazing desserts out of and I just can't muscle up the willpower to avoid all sweets in my life, even if I'm in a season of fat loss. So what are us sweet lovers to do? You make a plan. First, you prepare your environment. Get rid of the unhealthy stuff around. I keep all my baking supplies in a place that I can't see them in a cabinet to reduce the temptation. Also, I mean, if I eat all my baking supplies, then I have to buy more and that, you know, it's not a good method, um, a business model, right? (laughs) If you eat all your product. Um, But so I keep them in a cabinet. If you have a box of cookies on the counter, then you're setting yourself up for failure. You know you're going to want a bite every time you walk by. So every Halloween, the kids, of course, get loads and loads of candy. And it's usually the good stuff like Snickers or Reese's. Oh my gosh, it's so hard for me to say no to chocolate and peanut butter. So what I do every year is I put it all in a big bowl and it goes in my husband's locked study. So if I want to sneak in there and eat candy, I have to face him on the way, right? (laughs) And he's like, what are you doing? (laughs) When I'm in a season of fat loss, okay? I'm not saying never have candy again. This is me personally in a season of fat loss. The main point here is to get it out of sight, put it out of sight or throw it away if it's something that honestly you shouldn't have in your house. So do what you need to do and prepare your environment. Oh, and if you're like, well, my kids have cookies and snack cakes and candy that they like to have around all the time, ask them to put it in their room or something, or maybe really think about if they need to have that around. They may be thin now, but set them up for success in their future Processed sweets and for snacks aren't exactly a habit that's going to help your kids in the long run or anyone for that matter, no matter if they're thin. So I'm off my soapbox now. And please know that I am not judging here. I've been there too, but it didn't serve me and didn't get me to my goals. And I want you to know that as well. So once you've prepared your environment, plan a healthy treat for you. If, you know, whenever you you have that, oh, I just want something sweet. For me, that's at night. It could be some Greek yogurt with fruit. It could be a square of dark chocolate. If you can stop at one, right? I don't do that because I can't stop at one. I love dark chocolate, so that wouldn't work for me. Or it could be something that you make every week for this purpose. Um, every week I make a batch of crustless chocolate cottage cheese cheesecake. It sounds weird, I know, but it is so good. And it only takes me five minutes to throw the batter together and 40 minutes to bake. And let me tell you, it is time well spent because I know at the end of a long day, after putting six whole children in bed, I'm going to be wanting something sweet and delicious. So I plan for it. By the way, I did put this recipe in my free guide for fat loss without counting calories. You can snag that on my website at effectivefitnessforwomen.com. It's on the free resources page. So this, excuse me. So this next one I have for you is kind of a doozy. Not being aware of or having a plan for emotional eating. Emotional eating, it's our favorite coping mechanism, right? (laughs) Anyone else out there an emotional eater? 
Like something goes wrong in your day and then something else and then it snowballs and finally you're so keyed up that you just start digging through the pantry for that half a bag of chocolate chips and down the whole thing. Anybody else? (laughs) You aren't alone. So many people struggle with this. So I'm not a psychologist, so I'm just going to speak from my own experience and understanding with this. Although I will say I did run this by my therapist and she said, I was right, like about how the brain works. So your brain makes pathways when you do something regularly. So there's a trigger, something happens, and your brain follows a pathway, like a physical pathway, uh, that when you feel a certain way, like an emotion, stress, overwhelm, then you think about food. I'm way simplifying this, by the way. Like I said, not a psychologist or a therapist. Anyway, so when we eat emotionally, it follows a pattern. Big emotional trigger. Brain says we treat this feeling with food. Brain creates an overwhelming urge to eat. So we need to help our brains remake that pathway. I could talk about this forever, but for simplicity's sake, right now, focus on being aware of this. Notice. Wow. I'm super stressed and I have an overwhelming urge to eat. What happened here? Just be aware of what your emotional eating triggers are to start and plan to prevent them if you can, right? Some things aren't preventable. And then teach your brain to create a different pathway by doing the new thing, the new desired coping mechanism over and over. Your brain is retrainable for sure. I've been working on this and now I cope when I'm stressed and overwhelmed, um, I'm able to cope now with taking a bath instead of eating everything in sight. I used to, I would cope definitely emotionally. I mean, when I was pregnant with my fifth, um, baby, I, there was a point, my husband's father died and I had to, he had to go up and like help with the affairs and stuff up in Dallas. And, We live in Houston. So he was going to be gone for a few days and I had to, I had five kids and one of them was two months old. And like, I mean, at the time my oldest was six or seven. So I was doing them for like a whole weekend alone and I was so stressed. And let me tell you, I ate an entire tub of cookie dough, like not the small tub, like not, not a pack of break and bakes. Like the bulk size, the tub, the bigger tub, right? Anyway, I ate the whole thing because that's how I coped, right? So I'm so glad that (laughs) I've been able to retrain my brain because now I take a bath. Um, I will say that if you have a super big problem with this, like you are binging or purging or something like that, then I highly encourage you to work with a therapist to help you reprogram your brain. It's a, it, that, that needs to be taken care of first. Okay, so on to number six, not planning meals. This is a big one. Well, I feel like they're all big, but this is probably one of the biggest. Not having a plan for meals. So you download my free guide. You're going to try and get, um, try and eat right and then next thing you know it's 4 p.m and you still haven't gone to the store for dinner and you have no idea what the family's eating tonight 
Chick-fil-A it is. Sound familiar? I was so bad about this. The remedy is to meal plan. Yes, it takes work. It takes intentionality. But if you have real goals and real desire for change, then that's what it takes and you do it. It doesn't mean you have to prep everything. Some people like to do that and that's great, especially if you're taking your lunch to work or something, but you need to have a plan. What I do personally is I set aside an hour to an hour and a half each week and I write down the plan for literally every meal we will eat this week. What are the kids eating for lunch? Snacks for school? What am I eating for lunch? What is the family eating for dinner? I plan each one out. It sounds like overkill to a lot of people, but let me tell you, my stress level is way down because there's a plan. Also, I don't go to the store 5,000 times per week anymore. I'm going to do a whole episode on meal planning soon, so we will dive into that more later. But for now, work on having a plan for a minimum your lunch and your dinner meals. So to recap, our six habits that are sabotaging our fat loss are drinking sugary drinks, treating weekends differently than weekdays, inconsistency, not planning for sweet cravings and not being aware of or planning for emotional eating, and last, not meal planning. So your action item for this week, what I want you to focus on is pick the biggest one of these habits, just one, and work on improving it. That's your goal. Think about what needs to happen to get the needle moving in the right direction. Remember, it's progress over perfection. So for example, if you struggle with drinking sugary drinks, Think about when you usually do that. Wine after the kids go to bed, juice with breakfast, driving through Starbucks for a frilly coffee drink. Then think about what you can do instead of that and make a plan for it. Take action. So that is it for this week. And this ends our fat loss series. I will be doing a series very soon on muscle gain. So look out for that. I will talk to you next week. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and I would love to see a five-star review from you. This helps other women find this podcast so they can start to get results too. Let's help other women start their fitness journey together.